And if you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, find with me Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew chapter 13, as we are continuing going through this book, verse by verse. And tonight, my question for you is, what category are you in? Now, that could be a lot of things to a lot of people. There are a lot of labels that go on people and different things. Tonight, I want to look at three groups of people and their response to God. You see, some people will respond to God and accept what he is doing. Some people will not hate God and reject the things that he is doing, but their unbelief will hinder what God is trying to do. And then there will some people that will hate the work of God and will fight against that. And you say, well, Jake, I, I love God. I love his word. I love all that he is doing. But I have been a Baptist long enough to know that that middle category happens quite a bit. I'm not anti-God. I'm not uh, anti the things of God. But uh, let's be very clear. Baptists have been hindering the work of the Holy Spirit for a very long time. Tonight we're looking at that and, and some other things. And I really want you to be thinking about which category do you as an individual fit in tonight. Because Jesus has been teaching all of these parables about the kingdom of God and what God is doing and how God is working and what the kingdom of God is like. And if you've not been here, uh, you can listen to all those sermons online and uh, about the purpose of the soil and, and all of these things. And so tonight he finishes up these parables. He finishes up these kingdoms and he really talks about the individual. And so if you would pray with me tonight, we're going to jump right in. Father, tonight, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wonderful privilege to meet again. Lord, I'm thankful for all that is going on in this building tonight and the multitude of children and youth and all that are back there tonight. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be at work. Lord, that we would see people saved, that we would see lives change in this room and in those as well. So, Father, I just thank you for that privilege. I ask, Lord, that you'd forgive me. Lord, that you'd give me strength and unction from on high that I do not have. And so, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes tonight, the first thing I want to show you is some people will accept the work of God. There will be some people who accept what God is doing in their life. And so here in verse 51 and 52 of chapter 13, Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore, whoever every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. And so the idea here is he is asking them, do you understand the parables that I have been teaching you? Do you understand the kingdom of God and these things and how I am at work? And they emphatically answer yes. And if you read it in the original language, uh, the original language, he's asking them, are you committed to this? And so when they say yes, that is what they're saying. We are committed to your teachings, Lord. We are committed to following you, Lord. We are committed to doing what you have asked us to do for your kingdom. And I think this is important today because many times as Christians, we get saved and we serve the Lord for a season. But 
But there comes times in our life when we're not as committed as we were. We're not as faithful as we were. And so it's a good reminder for us to daily be asking ourselves, am I committed with all that I have to serve God, to serve according to His purposes, to live for Him? But he also says something interesting in verse 2. He talks about the scribes. And if you're familiar with the scribes, they would have been the people that would have known the Old Testament the best. And what he's saying here is that that knowledge that they have of the Old Testament, the New Testament, the kingdom of he got hit, that he has been talking about, doesn't replace the Old Testament. It doesn't do away with the Old Testament. It fulfills the Old Testament. And what he's saying is these individuals that have such a great knowledge for the Word of God, a great understanding of what the Scriptures teach, when they are saved, when they are born again, the great asset they can be because they know the Scriptures. And tonight I want you to hear this, that that has not changed. If you want to be used by God to make a difference for God, you need to know what God's Word says. Whether it is the New Testament, whether it is the Old Testament, I have heard some of the most famous preachers in America, and I have no problem naming them. Andy Stanley has said, I don't need to teach Genesis. The book of Genesis doesn't matter. The Old Testament are good things to learn from, but it's not as important as the New Testament. Look up here. Everything the New Testament teaches is found in the Old Testament. Everything from the fall in the garden to the plan of salvation to redemption. You cannot have the New Testament without the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament explains what things are going to be like. The New Testament is a fulfillment of all those prophecies, all of those foreshadowing of what it's going to be like. You say, well, I hate to read through the genealogies and I hate the book of Leviticus. And I look up here. The word of God is profitable. All of it is profitable. It is what you need for God to use in your life to make you who you are. Maybe you ought to just be thankful you ain't got to live all those principles that Leviticus teaches. Maybe you can be thankful that God has fulfilled many of those things. Can you imagine? I can't imagine taking an animal to sacrifice and standing in line. Now, I'm not talking about the drive through line at McDonald's. All right, I've seen how some of you get when they pull you forward. It's an ugly picture. But can you imagine standing in line with all the other Jewish people? It's not like you picked a time. It's not like you called back when it was convenient for you. You showed up and you waited. And you waited with your animal. And after animal, after animal, after animal is sacrificed. Can you imagine the, the nastiness and the, and the smell? And if it was warm, if it, I mean, it's Israel. It's almost... You know, it would have been warm during certain times of the year. I mean, extremely hot. And just the, the, the mess that that would have been. But yet Jesus fulfilled that when he became our lamb that was led to the slaughter. The Old Testament prophesies and predicts all of these things. And so, believer, today, if you want to be useful to God, if you want to make a difference in the lives of other people, look up here. Your opinion means nothing. I'm not saying it doesn't have value. I'm not saying that it isn't a good opinion. But if you want God to use you, He promises that He will bless His Word. The Word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. The Word of God will not return void. I like to think that my opinion is right on everything. I don't care what it is. If you ask me, I think my opinion is right. 
But God never promised to use my opinion to convict someone of their sin. God never promised to convict, to use my opinion to, to restore a marriage. But God did promise that He would bless this word. And friends, if you can give your children anything, your grandchildren anything that will last, it is a love and appreciation for Jesus and for the word of God. That's why you're to know it. That's why you're to study it. That is why it is to be the food for our soul and our life. That's why it is the lamp and the light into our path. Why? Because God can use someone who accepts the work at word of God. Second thing I want to show you tonight. Some people will accept the work of God, but some people will hinder the work of God. Look what it says here in verses 53 through 58. Now, these verses, to be clear tonight, have been used by television preachers and used a lot. And so bear with me tonight when I try to explain 30 years of television preaching falseness. Starts in verse 53 and says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? So he done great teaching and miracles. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brother James... Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now don't miss verse 58. This is where the television evangelist has twisted this to make you give them thousands of dollars for blessings in return. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because. Now, I'm going to stop right there. So what he says is that Jesus did not do more miracles because of what? Of their unbelief. Now, the television preacher has told you, not the good ones like David, Jeremiah, and Charles Stanley, but I'm talking the the sheeps and wolves clothing, like, uh, like Jesse Duplantis and Creflo Dollar, and I could go on and on and on, but some of you might like them, and I don't want you all to hate me before the service is over. But they've told you that what you don't have is because you didn't believe. You don't have a million-dollar house because you didn't believe enough. You, you don't have a healing because you don't believe enough. You, you don't have a full head of hair because you didn't believe enough. And if you just have faith, you know, and, and you got faith, right? And you just got to have faith. And if you listen to it, you just think, oh, my goodness gracious. But yet the other end of that spectrum is a group of people who have went so far to the other side of that and says nothing matters in what you believe. God's going to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And you and I have no bearing on all that at all. But yet Jesus says right here in this verse, in the context of working and moving and doing, he says in verse 58, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so, friends, tonight I want you to know that I believe that God is sovereign, that I believe that God is in control. I believe that God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And he does not need our input, but he does allow us to be a part of what he's doing. 
And I believe this is what churches do. Now, I'm, if it upsets you tonight, and this is between the eyes tonight, you'll just have to forgive me. But how many times do we pray and not believe? How many times do we pray for that lost family member? How many times do we pray that God would heal? How many times do we pray that God would send revival to our church? But deep down, we don't believe that he will. We don't believe that he will. It's kind of like this idea. We pray, we invite speakers in that have the gift of evangelist. Tim Lee has the gift of evangelism. That is his calling. The Bible says there are people with that gift. And so if an evangelist is here, reapers do what? Reap. And so if I believe that's what the word of God says and the spirit of God says, I ought to be trying to do what? Get lost people to listen. Whether here or online, whether it's the DVD later on or whatever it is. Because why? I believe that God has put a calling on someone's life. The spirit of God is working and moving. And so I should believe God enough to at least share with them. Same way about the Word of God. I can't believe to tell you how many times people say, well, Jake, I, I'd love to come to Wednesday night, but, you know, Bible study is a little long, and I got you. Sometimes it's a little boring. I understand that. And, you know, I, you know, I, just, I, so I think I'll just skip it. But yet my Bible says the Word of God never what? Returns void. I believe that. I've listened to some boring sermons in my life. When I was working midnights, I think every Sunday night, the sermons weren't boring, but I was so tired I would fall asleep. I cannot begin to tell you how many, Brad's shaking his head, the midnight guy over here, how many times I would stand there with my hands on the chairs in front of me during the altar call at the evening, and I'd be like this. She'd be going. But I believe that the Word of God never returns void, that I would get something out of it if I would sit there and listen, even if I was asleep for half of it, because why? I believe that the Word of God is powerful. I believe the Word of God can change life. Think about prayer. We believe that prayer works. That God hears the prayer of His people. Okay, I appreciate that. Three of you, thank you. Alright? And so if I really believe that God hears the prayers of His people, then I will do what? I'll pray. And when I don't pray, it's unbelief. When I don't share, it's unbelief. And so tonight I want you to know that you cannot be anti-God, but yet you can still hinder what God is wanting to do in your life, in your marriage, and in the church. And I believe Baptists, we do this. We are good. We've got just enough God in us to make us happy, just enough God in us to make us go to heaven. But what God wants to do is greater and mightier than you and I can ever imagine. I believe God wants to save more people than we pray for. I, um, I have been inviting people to church and, and talking to uh, people a lot here lately because I had God and God in the mindset. And I know this is going to sound terrible for you. There are already more people there than I can keep up with. I can't believe you said that from the pulpit, Jake. It's the truth. I can't tell you how many days I sit in my office and think, I should have made this visit. I should have made this call. I should have been at this hospital. I should, I should have been there. I just, I've just, man, I just feel like I have just failed. And so the idea of God sending 10 more families, 20 more families, 30 more families, 40 more families, and he has been, by the way, two to three families a week. You say, Jake, don't worry. We'll help you prove it. 
And so I've been, I'm being honest with you. I sit in my office and I thought, Lord, I'm praying for new people. Lord, I'm praying for people to be saved. I'm praying for new people to come to my Sunday school class. Lord, I'm praying that you'll do this thing and that thing. But deep down I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what if you really do it? And so it's something I've been struggling with. And so God's had to really just give me a, a kick and say, Jake, you just need to keep spreading the seed. Trust me to raise up laborers and raise up people and to do these things. But that's how we can hinder the work of God. Third and final thing tonight, you're going to get two short sermons in one day. I don't want to hear any complaints, all right? Is the third is some people will accept the work of God. Some people will hinder the work of God. Some people will hate the work of God. Look over there in chapter 14 of Matthew. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Talking about John the Baptist. Starts out here in verse 1 and says, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore these powers are at work in him. This is what Herod said, and then Matthew gives you a backstory of what had happened. So he is worried John the Baptist is come back to life. John the Baptist didn't really die, and so then he explains why he was worried if it was John the Baptist. He says in verse 3, For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted him to put to death, and he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. You see, what happened was, Herod had went to Rome and got googly eyes for his brother's wife. And she divorced him, he divorced her, and they got together. And John the Baptist, as Old Testament prophets did, preached to the religious and political leaders of their day. And he just flat told them, you're sinners and you need to repent. Look up here. Don't be mad at the preacher when he preaches against your favorite politician if your favorite politician is living in sin. Don't be offended when your pastor preaches about the sin that your kids are living in. If they're living in sin. Because it is the Old Testament pattern. Throughout the entire word of God. For the man of God to preach. Repent. Turn from your sinful ways. You say Jake that just causes too much trouble. I don't like preaching on repentance. I don't like preaching on hell. I don't like preaching on the wickedness of man. And the fact that we need to turn. And listen. I don't care if you like it or not. That is what God has called his people to do. Especially what he's called me to do. To tell you that you are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death. But if you will repent, you will find a loving Savior who shed his blood for you. Who died upon a cross for you. Who did everything possible to save you from your sin. And to have a relationship with you. And John the Baptist just told Herod, what you've done is wicked. What you've done is sin. Now, many people today would say, John the Baptist shouldn't have been messing around and meddling in what 
Herod was doing in his own home. Maybe, maybe some people would say, John the Baptist shouldn't have been meddling. It might have been real love. Look up here. If God calls it sin, it is sin. And so we go on here in this passage of Scripture. In verse 4, because John had said, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. You see, John the Baptist hated, or Herod hated John the Baptist, but he was afraid of what they would do to him. But I want to show you what happens when a wicked wife influences a weak man. Now, if you just took offense to that, that's not my fault. Verse 6, but when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her, her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Then the disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. You see, we've seen someone that accepted the work of God. We have seen people that hindered the work of God. And we have seen someone who has hated the work of God. She didn't hate John the Baptist. She hated what the John the Baptist said. And what John the Baptist said was the word of God. That this situation is wrong. This, this divorce and remarriage is unbiblical. This situation is wrong. Well, she hated what John said. Because he said the things of God. And friends, the work of God will always Anger those who are living in sin. The work and power of the Holy Spirit will always anger those who have hardened their heart to God. And so what you are seeing in America today, what you are seeing in churches today, it used to just be that people accepted what God was doing or they didn't mess with the church. They left the church alone. You could do what you wanted. You could, you could pray in school. You could read your Bible in school. You could teach the Bible at school in a class. But then it went from not accepting the Word of God then to hindering by not allowing it. Now, you can't teach it, but you not, can't not teach it. You just got to leave it alone. And now we went from accepting the things of God to hindering the things of God to what? Hating the things of God. Hating the fact that Christians even work in schools, in hospitals. The fact that they hate that Christians work in different places. It could be they're firing people for exercising religious liberty all across our country today. Why? Because they don't accept the things of God. They don't want to hinder the things of God. They hate the things of God. They hate the people of God. They hate the work of God. And today you need to understand one simple thing. You need to prepare for some people to accept it, some people to hinder it, and some people to hate it. Doesn't matter if you're sitting in church, doesn't matter if you're sitting at work, doesn't matter if you're sitting at home, 
You have to be committed to Jesus and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, Lord, whatever you do to me, whatever you want to do through me, God, I know that you are good and that you're at work. And God, I don't want to do anything like the Bible says to grieve the spirit in my life. And so as a pastor, I never want to grieve what God is trying to do in my life. And I never want to be one hinders God from doing greater and mightier things here. I want to be able, like the old preacher said, to just be a ditch. And just let the Lord work and pour through me. And run through me. I don't want to clog it all up with my sin and my unbelief and my doubt and my struggles. But friends, I can tell you that this will happen. And if you're sitting on these seats tonight and this is you, hear me tonight, I beg that you would repent and get right with God. But there'll be some people that sit on church pews that won't accept what God's doing, won't hinder what God's doing, but they will hate what God is doing. And sometimes it sounds like this. Boy, I'm not sure I like church anymore. I don't hardly recognize anybody. Boy, I tell you what, I'm really glad we're getting all these new families. And boy, I'm sure glad there are so many people here. But, you know, I just uh, it's because the it's because the preacher, he's uh, he's gone soft. Right. It's about, about time to run him off. You know, things are changing too quick around here. Things are things are growing. Things are happening. Things are things are working. Huh? You know, maybe it's about time we take take an action here. You see, those people don't accept. Those people don't hinder, but they hate. And so tonight, I want to challenge you. Maybe you don't hate what God is doing, but you are hindering what God is doing. And so tonight, I'm going to challenge you to get along with God and say, Lord, search me. Lord, help me to love you and to serve you and to, to do whatever you ask me. And say, God, I'll just accept you. I'll accept what you're doing. And Lord, I want to be a part of what that looks like. You got real quiet in here tonight. That doesn't bother me at all. I know you're listening even better. But tonight I ask you, which category are you in? Which category are you in? Because the only category that really matters is have you been born again? But after that, my question to you is, where will you be? Will you be joining God in what he's doing? Will you be hindering what God wants us to do in your life? Or will you be outright hating and defying and fighting against what God is doing in his life, in your life, and in the church? Stand with me tonight as you pray. Father, I come tonight, Lord, just trying to explain your word to your people. Lord, I pray that everything I have said tonight has been honoring to you. Lord, that it has been exactly as your word says. Lord, tonight I pray for your people, first and foremost, that tonight, Lord, we would be a people that accept your word, your leadership, and all that we say and do. Father, I pray second of all tonight that if there's anything in our lives that are hindering what you're trying to do, Maybe it's a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of unforgiveness, a, a sin that's hidden down in there, Lord, that, that is slowly corrupting what is going on. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would convict each and every one of us to get along with you and say, Lord, don't let me be the hindrance. Third and finally tonight, Lord, I pray for that person who for whatever reason hates what you're doing. Lord, maybe it's because they hate a person 
Maybe it's because they hate a way of doing things or whatever the excuse is tonight, God. That they would come to you and say, I might disagree, I might not be on the same page, but God, don't let me stand and fight against what you're doing. Lord, I pray tonight for each individual in this place that doesn't know you. Lord, that tonight your Holy Spirit would begin to convict them and show them that unless they truly have a relationship with you, Lord, that they're lost and everything else doesn't matter. Father, I pray that you'd give us the boldness in a world that is turning and hating the things that you are doing, that we would be bold. Lord, we would be bold to preach your truth, to love the enemy, to care for the poor and the sick and the hurting. God, to do your will, no matter the cost. So, Father, I pray during this invitation tonight, Lord, that your people would do business with you for your glory. And, Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.